It's found on page 1000 in your pew Bible. And so if you do not have a Bible, that is our gift to you. Or if you just forgot yours and didn't bring it this morning and want to follow along in the same version I have, you can use the Pew Bible. It's on page 1000, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And the Word of God, it reads... He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. First, I want to make a note is that uh, I, I have been paying attention and, and we have ample time. We've been leaving a bit early in the nine o'clock service than usual. And so I feel that's the appropriate time to add more minutes to the sermon. Sunday school. I'll be out before Miss Betty needs you in Sunday school. So last night I got to take Avonlea to daddy-daughter dance. It's going to be our last one because she's in fifth grade. And so the next time I get a dance with her at a dance will be her wedding. Hopefully she lets me, right? And I'm able and I'm there. Uh, but but it's strange, right? So, so fifth grade, everything changes. I remember the earlier daddy-daughter dances where she wanted me to dance every song with her. Fifth grade, we get there, boom, gone, looking for friends. And, and it wasn't just her. It was, it was a lot of the girls there. The fifth grade girls, of course, all got together. But I noticed all the girls are dancing and all us dads are standing around watching. 
not really even talking to each other either. And, and, it, and it just brought back these memories of middle school and high school dances, right? Of, of going to a dance without a date and thinking, well, I'm going to ask someone there to dance with me. And, and trying to muster up the courage the entire night to go ask a girl to dance with me. Man, it, we, with our little friends, we would be like, come on, dude, you can do it. And we'd try and push each other there. And it, it's like trying to get a cow into a cow trailer, and, and they're just <laughs> digging down and not moving. And, and so because there's this fear of rejection that occurs, right? I'm going to go pour myself out there in front of everybody. They're all going to see me walk up to this girl and ask her to dance. And she's going to say no because, you know, I'm a dork, and she's pretty cool. <laughs> And then everyone's going to see it, and it's just going to make things worse, right? The fear of rejection, it's an awful feeling. It, it, it begins to inform a lot of what we do. Brene Brown, who's a, a well-known author and speaker, she um, also uh, has her Ph.D. in social work and research and works for the University of Houston. She has a best-selling book called Daring Greatly and is one of the most popular TED Talks of all time in which she talks about the power of vulnerability. Now, as she gives her TED Talk and in her book when she talks about vulnerability, she, she surmises that in her research that humans fundamentally want to be loved and want to belong. That being connected really matters in our lives. And, and she said, but the difficulty is it's hard for us to be vulnerable to build those true connections. It's hard to be vulnerable because we, we can feel shame. She, she said the reason that prevents us from vulnerability is shame. That is, if we share our true selves or, or true things about ourselves, it will cause us to lose the connection and therefore be loved less because of whatever it is. Which really translates to a fear of rejection. And it's true. You know it. I know it. Rejection is difficult. It's difficult to face because rejection, in rejection, we believe that we have failed. That we are a failure. And if, and if we fail, then we simply aren't good enough. And if we aren't good enough, then we don't belong. And if we don't belong, then are we even loved? I mean, this... Do you track where I'm going here? Is this really getting to the heart of the matter? I can't be the only one. Because then in our lives, we begin to build up walls, barriers to, to the deepest parts of our souls and the truest selves. And we, and we do that because if, if we don't reveal that part, then we're never fully rejected. They're only rejecting part of us, maybe not the truest part. And we rarely show any vulnerability to reduce the chance of rejection. Social media is great for it today, right? We put on social media our very best selves, the, the, the best-looking photos we have and, and the best things we do. And then we wait for the likes and for the hearts, for the comments. I do it too. That's why I put all of my kids up there. So 
They're amazing. I know they'll get the likes. I know they'll get the hearts. But I remember being new in town, new in our neighborhood, you know, new in church, and we're getting to know you guys, but we don't really have friends yet in, in the neighborhood. And we're out front, and, and at this time, we were just a family of four with a fifth on the way, and, and another family comes riding by on their bikes and happens to stop and talk to us. And, we, and we're conversing, having a little chit-chat, being the new pastor in town, I'm looking for an opening to invite them to church because that's my place of connection. And when I find the opening for the question, I say, so what church do you go to? Thinking if they say none, that's the perfect moment for an invitation. But it happens, boom, in that moment, rejection. We aren't really church people, they said. Awkward. And it was awkward silence. Ashley's nodding her head, yes, she remembers this vividly, reminds me constantly. It was awkward, you know. And in that awkward silence, Ashley began to try and fill the void to, to maybe save the situation. But it was awkward because there felt to be a sense of rejection in that moment. I didn't even get to the invitation, and I'm already being rejected. And yet still, even when we simply offer an invitation and it gets rejected, it somehow feels like they're not rejecting the opportunity. They're rejecting us. We, everything is personal to us. As much as we don't want to admit it, we really do think the world revolves around us. That's part of it. We're too scared. In our scripture today, we see Jesus and his disciples, they, they make off to his hometown of Nazareth, where Jesus grew up learning to be a carpenter from his dad, where, where that's where he spent the majority of his life growing up until he went into ministry. And he goes on the day of the Sabbath, and he's teaching in the synagogue, and he's teaching the authority he has from his father in heaven. He's teaching about repentance. He's teaching until they realize. That Jesus is just Joseph and Mary's boy. And they rejected him. The scripture tells us he could do no mighty works except he laid hands on a few and healed them. Jesus leaves marveling at their unbelief. Yet while Jesus suffered rejection... He moved on to the other villages and continued teaching. But Christ suffers not only rejection to his teachings in his hometown, but we know he will be rejected by all of Israel. And then he will go to the cross where he will suffer, die, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And three days later, he's resurrected so that God does not reject those who have faith in Christ. Through his rejection, we become adopted. And you know, Christ is perfect. He's sinless. But while perfect, he was not immune to rejection. In fact, after he's rejected here in Scripture, he gathers his disciples 
sends them out two by two so that they have uh, the scriptural authority of the witness with them to testify to what happens. And he gives them instructions, gives them power over unclean spirit and gives them instructions to go out, cast out demons, heal people, but to preach repentance. The good news of Christ. And when he gives them instructions, though, he also gives them instructions on what to do when they are rejected. Dust off your feet and move on. Now, the scripture never tells us how successful the disciples were in this endeavor. But Jesus anticipated their rejection and he anticipated their success. And he encouraged them in both. But Jesus knew rejection would come because the message of Christ, the message of repentance, the message of the gospel is offensive. It's not one that we can merely ask to make concessions to the way we live. It's a simple yes or a no to the gospel. Our great commissioning is to go into all the world to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them everything Christ taught. And we just heard that what Christ taught got him kicked out of his own hometown. And yet he still calls us to go to all the world. Yet often, we don't even get started. We're too afraid of rejection, even to simply invite someone to come hear the gospel, let alone to sit down and share the gospel and how it has fundamentally changed every aspect of our living. And I get it. I get it. It's, it's hard. It's, it's scary hard. It's not just hard, but it's, it's scary hard. Because the gospel is so personal to us. Because Christ is so personal to us. He changed us. He's given us new life. It's the very lens by which we view everything in the world. And so it... We believe, we internalize this then, that if we go and share the gospel, we share our heart in Christ with someone. We go and invite them to where we worship and assemble together to hear the message and fellowship with other believers, and they reject it. They are rejecting us. But that simply isn't true. They're not rejecting you. Christ makes it clear. They're rejecting him. But still, we swirl with the questions. What if they're not our friends still afterwards? What if not only do they reject our invitation or our sharing of our hearts, but they reject us completely? They cut us off maybe from a larger friends group and no longer include us in the communications and the get-togethers. I can't promise you it won't happen. In fact, I know it will happen because it happened to Christ. He told his disciples it would happen to them. The early Christians we know were killed for their beliefs, 
for their unwillingness to bow to Caesar and their unwillingness to keep their mouths quiet in proclaiming Christ. We've seen the Apostle Paul with great gumption and courage, three missionary journeys all around the world and, and hopefully one day making it to Spain, but he never does. But in those journeys, countless times, Paul is chased out of town with people throwing stones at him for sharing Christ. The Apostle John Beloved Apostle John, for his belief in Christ, they would put him in exile to the island of Patmos where he lived in a cave alone the rest of his life, cut off from people. For you see, rejection from the world comes by following Jesus. If you're, if you're avoiding, inviting, and sharing Jesus with others, then you're wrestling with this. You're wrestling with this rejection and this fear that comes with it. But more than that, it's an identity crisis. I want to tell you this, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you are completely loved. There is no one and no thing in all the world that can love you the way Christ loves you, who fully knows you and knew you before you were born. He knows all about you. He knows the deep, secret, dark places of your heart that you believe you've walled off to the world. He knows you. And he loves you completely without conditions and wants the best for you, wants you to not merely survive, but to thrive in abundant life. We also know this about that love. There's nothing, there's no amount of rejections we can face that then Christ will reject us. There's nothing that can separate us from his love in all the world, nothing above the earth or below the earth, no powers, no angels, no principalities, no rulers, nothing can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. So no matter what happens in this world, you, dear Christian, are loved forevermore. Not only are you loved, but you belong. You belong. Paul tells us that. He tells us that upon Christ's resurrection, we are adopted sons and daughters of the God Most High. We have this identity crisis where we're afraid to share our truest heart in Christ and invite people to know Christ who fundamentally changed our lives because we're having an identity crisis. We forget whose we are. That he loves us completely and forever and that we belong to him completely and forever. Once Christ grabs a hold of you, he never lets go. And because of him, you belong to God. Not just belong to God, 
You are sons and daughters. And sons and daughters of the God Most High are loved forever. So much so, he's already prepared a place for you to be with him for eternity. You know, each time we hold back sharing our heart for Christ, hold back sharing the gospel, hold back inviting people to hear the gospel, we put Christ on the back burner. For the scripture says, for what does a man profit to gain the whole world but to lose his soul. But I understand rejection's hard. Vulnerability is difficult. Makes us feel powerless and out of control. Dear Christian, dear Christian, there is nothing, there is nothing to separate you from the love of Christ. There is nothing that will happen to have you ruled unadopted. You're loved and you belong to the one who holds you forever. Amen.